Hi, I'm Justine. And I'm Sarah LaVon. And we are so glad you're here. We believe that your life has the potential to make a deep, meaningful impact on the world around you. You, as a nurse, have the ability to add value to every single person and patient you touch. We want to inspire you with resources, education, and stories to support you to live your absolute best life, both in and outside of work. But don't expect perfection over here. We're just here to have some conversations about anything birth, work, and life, trying to add some happy to your hour as we all grow together. By nurses, for nurses, this is Happy Hour with Bundle Birth Nurses. We have been talking about doing a preceptorship episode for quite some time now, probably since the start of the podcast, but I got to say, it's been hard to narrow down which way to do it. I guess we could do like a four-part series, but I don't know if anyone wants to listen to that. But we, Sarah doesn't even know what we're going to talk about today because I've been polling on Instagram, like what's important to you in preceptorship and why is your preceptorship good or bad? And I've gotten a lot of different responses and there's the part of like what makes a good preceptor, a long-term preceptor. And I think Sarah, I want you to speak to that because you did more of that than I did. And then what makes a good fill-in preceptor? And I feel like I've done a lot of that because I do a lot of per diem work. So it was like, jump in here, jump in there. What makes a good preceptee? Because there is talk online right now of like, yeah, it's really important when your preceptor knows how to precept, but also there's an accountability you need to take as the one being precepted. There's a lot to do with like the hospital system and the unit needs. And Mm -hmm. are there any experienced nurses on that shift? And are your preceptors burnt out? Like as a new grad or a new nurse to the specialty, you're coming in on the unit so excited most of the time and like excited to meet your preceptor. But little do you know, the person that's precepted you has precept eight people before you with no break. And it's a lot of work. And, and some hospitals, I just found I had a DM that they're not getting paid more on my unit. They pay a dollar more an hour, which I'm like, that's not even worth it. I, I tease the people, like, write it in Kronos. Let me pay you for your time. And they're like, I just, it's it's $12. Like, I'm not, I, it's not even worth my time right. to get the pen out, to get the paper out, to write it. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. there's that. Preceptorship in general, I think, is suffering in our country and on our units. I don't know if it was like this pre-COVID, but I I see a lot of nurses burning out quicker or quitting right after preceptorship. And it makes me sad because it's such an area for like, to like help a nurse feel like we always say seen safe and soothed and really guide them. And you're, you're molding the future nurses of your unit. And like, there's a side of like, it's an honor and like, you're making a mini you, which is terrifying sometimes. Right. Like we were joking with some nurses Hmm. on our unit of like, oh, like, yeah, that person precepted you. That makes so much sense. Like you're exactly her. Like it's, which is so great if, (laughs) if the practices are up to date, if like that preceptor should have been a preceptor. Um, but there's a lot of pressure in that. And there's also a big fear of becoming a preceptor. I get a lot of DMs. I'm like, I'm not ready. I can't do it. And there's a lot. And so I don't really know how we want to take this. <laughs> Let's vibe. Maybe, yeah, we'll vibe. I sound I like a man. Too- <laughs> Let's vibe. <laughs> Let's vibe. <laughs> I, um, I think there, we have mostly new nurses, not mostly, but we have a lot of new nurses that are listening to this are going to be in L and D. And so maybe we could talk a little bit about being precepted first and what, what would make your experience better being a preceptee? Cause when I think you and I, Sarah are very 
different, like not from each other. Like we're just, like I imagine we precepted, we were precept the same. Like we, we did a lot of work on our own, right? Like we read the books. Yes. Oh, like Like, as the preceptee. Yeah. Yeah. As the preceptee. I bet we were very similar. How were you? Very similar. I think we're very different preceptors. I think you were very much more intense than I am. Sure. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Yes. (laughs) I think you would scare me a little bit. (laughs) Oh, for sure. (laughs) But we could talk about that a little bit, but what do you think is important when you're going to be precepted? Like what are some things that you would advise nurses to do? I think that it's easy to think that preceptorship, rather being the preceptor or preceptee is like, okay, it's like this very unique circumstance. But if we relate it to a lot of things, basically you have a learner and a teacher. And I like, I know about that, right? Um, I am very much a learner in many circumstances. You guys don't get to see that as much. (laughs) Uh, But if anyone's ever been around me, like, I currently am surrounded by books and research studies right now. She loves to learn. So, and I I love to learn and um, I like to synthesize and I think that that has helped me, but I also am a an educator, right? And while I'm not precepting right now, I've precepted a lot. And when I think about when I'm teaching someone something, because that is what it is, in this circumstance that we are teaching them a the art and science of labor and delivery nursing, right? The practical, how to do it. Hopefully a lot of the like emotional side of things, how to chart, how to like be successful in that role. Um, I think about just pulling it out from there and we have a lot of data. There's a lot of other circumstances we can learn from in that case too. But I would say that like just an eagerness to learn and a humility walking into a new place. I think it's easy to be excited. And I'm not saying don't be excited because please be excited. That energy isn't infectious. But when I look at the people I've precepted or um, even just the people that I train, that when you're walking into something new to approach the preceptor with respect and an openness to learn. And I think this is where a lot of our therapeutic communication comes in the same way that we would approach a doctor or another conflict on the unit. It's like, it, I don't even see this as a delicate situation, but there is this element of build rapport that the preceptor needs to earn that respect in some ways. But if they've been given to you as a precept D, that terminology for some reason in my head, I really have to think about that there is a certain level of willingness, openness, freedom to receive, and then also an accountability to not only just receive, but also to take that learning in and like sort of digest it and turn it out into your practice. I love the openness, willing to receive, eager, and especially humble. I don't think I was very humble when I started. I was like really annoying. And I it was like people <laughs> would complain about me and charge nurses would complain about me. Like this girl keeps questioning us and like they'd be in the manager's office. Like, mm. why is she so bossy? And um, it, it became a joke mm. that I was bossy. And I was like, I'm just a natural leader. Um, but I, well, I was so excited but I and think, I read stuff and. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think there's, I think there's a healthy way to turn that out without 
annoying people because I think it's easy to come in with that energy. And then also you're being told you're, first of all, you're scared about looking dumb. You want to be able to prove that like, this was a good decision. I know what I'm doing, but there's also an element like that I, I learned later and it's hard to sort of really truly believe when you're the new one, but that no one really expects you to know anything. And yet I think the perception is I passed the NCLEX. I am the nurse now. I belong here. And if you're trying to constantly prove that you belong there and that you're, you know, smart and this was a good decision and I'm going to be good at that, you know, whatever, that 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 quickly can come across as not humble. Um, And so, you know, I can think about one, I'm thinking about one particular nurse that just like we had the best preceptorship and I was consistent with her early on. I was probably only like a year and a half out and they asked me to precept and I was like, oh my God. But then when I got going, I was like, well, I'm really good at educating and I get what it's like to be new. Now I think I'd be a terrible preceptor. In fact, all the time me and Justine, I'm like, they want to learn that? Like, don't we know this stuff? Like, Kevin, they heard this before. Like, aren't they tired of it? It's like, no, Sarah, like they, 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 they need to hear it over and over again. I'm like, okay. You know, cause it, now I am at the place where like, it's sort of like, there's nothing new anymore. Like, I don't know that I totally remember what it's like to be new. And so what you can get into that more with the precept preceptor portion, but I remember this preceptee and she came in and she was energized. She was engaged. She looked at me in the eye. She was on time. If I gave her homework to do, she had it. She would tell me the things that she was learning. You know, it's like, okay, but I learned this in nursing school. Help me understand this. I want to work on this this week. You know, she was proactive, but also she was like, honestly overwhelmed. And I mean, I don't mean honestly overwhelmed. I mean, she was honestly overwhelmed, like in an honest way. <laughs> and <I got> you. <laughs> we all know that's normal, you know, yeah. like that, that being overwhelmed, no, knowing that it's a lot, that there's, that it, you know, there's no particular perfect way that people learned. Um, we also built a relationship that I felt respected by her. I felt appreciated by her. And and honestly, I'm actually thinking back. I'm like, initially I wondered about her, but her willingness to learn and her willingness to tell me when she needed help built trust very quickly. And um, it sounds like she didn't suffer from imposter syndrome. Like, cause I think that what you were describing maybe. earlier, like you were describing that, you know, we don't want them to think it was a bad mistake. Like I was meant to be here. They should hire mm-hmm. me. And then we get this, mm-hmm. like, we kind of get imposter syndrome, which you know, the definition of what I've read recently was imposter syndrome breeds when we don't admit what we don't know, but we don't know mm. so much when we're starting. And if you could just be yeah, honest, like, and that, it's okay so that you true. don't know. Yeah. You're not supposed yeah. to. And yeah, they'd rather that. And you'll hear it on your unit all the time. New nurses that are like, sorry, I have so many questions. They're like, no, ask the questions, ask them. Everyone will say right. that, ask the questions. And so maybe that's another thing too. Yeah. Admit what you don't know, but yeah, she sounds like a dream. No, she was really good. And she's still really good. She's doing very well. <laughs> so she's the qualities like I hear <laughs> are um, like openness, honest, excited. I liked the eye contact. That's so true. And like being engaged with you. Like, yeah, like 
great. Mm -hmm. I have a few nurses that I've seen recently that I'm like, do you even want to be here? You know, like that can be frustrating Mm -hmm. for someone, especially like me. I'm working on that in my own heart. Mm -hmm. (laughs) um, And I liked the homework piece. So we'll dive into that a little bit more later, but yeah, I, I want to mention something. I was talking to a friend online recently about preceptorship and I have this, I have two sides. I have, yeah, do your homework, research outside of work, do bundle birth mentorship, do physiologic birth, do all our stuff. And then on the other side, I'm like, is it changing? Is the generation changing to the point where they're like, I'm getting paid for 36 hours. So if you're going to teach me, teach Mm -hmm. me in that time. Otherwise I'm going to live my life and be at home. And so there's that too. And I don't want Mm -hmm. to make people feel like they have to work so much outside of work because you got to live your life. And Mm -hmm. so how do you balance that? And I think it is the hospital provides it in that time. There's better like onboarding. What do you think? Well, but if there's quote unquote better onboarding, it's actually longer onboarding because you need the experience on the floor and you also need training and time to like look things up and whatnot. So, I I mean, I I don't disagree. Technically you should be, I'm an employer, so I know a lot about employer law and like you should be paid for your time. So, you know, unless you have a previous agreement for something else or you're paid in a lump sum or you're a salesperson or, you know, not in this case where you're clocking in and clocking out for this job, um, you should be paid for your time. So, I, I mean, I don't totally disagree. I also though, where does the accountability come in on the weight of our job? That yeah. if you are gonna, if you are gonna get three months, there there has to be a fine line that's walked between like if they're not gonna give it to you, that's too bad. And that is a systems issue. I have lots to say about the system. But if we're strictly talking about the responsibility of the preceptee you need to be working in those three months to get to a place where you're safe to be on your own. And in my mind, it's like kind of whatever it takes. Yeah. And I'm actually thinking like, if you want to commit to a specialty as a new grad, especially, then you got to put the work in. And maybe if you don't want to put the work in, Mm -hmm. maybe that is like in your heart, just be like, okay, well, I'm going to go do another unit, learn how to become a nurse first. Mm -hmm. And then when I go to the specialty, I'm not doing both. It's interesting. Yeah. I haven't thought about it like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's, e- but it's easy to not take accountability for your job. And that's, that's sort of, again, that balance that I'm, I see here with the way that things are shifting and how people are demanding a lot more. Um, and, and I, I believe in that. I, you know, I, I would love for everybody to, when they're off, they're off. That honestly, that's one of the benefits of being a nurse. That's what I miss about being a nurse. I never, right ever am off because I'm always thinking about this stuff. And so, um, but yet easily it's like, well, I'm off. Don't ask me to be a nurse. Don't ask me to this and that. And really like technically your licensure carries outside of the hospital. You are a nurse in the community. You are, if somebody goes down, if somebody's, you know, in labor in the community and you are there, you are liable to respond. So just because you're not getting paid, you don't get to decide that based on money. And then that to me also gets into the whole like sort of greed um, is my fear sort of with that. And it's, are we doing it for the money? Are we doing it because it's more than the money? 
And I would hope that it's more than the money for us, especially in a job where it requires so much more than just filling in boxes. This is hard work. And, you know, if you're showing up for just the money, uh, you're not going to be able to engage in the same way with these birth experiences and these families. And um, that will affect their birth experience. I do believe that. On the flip side of that too, say you don't want to work off the clock, which we understand. It could help. Yeah. Like even just uh, (laughs) like say you got- And we're not talking work off the clock. Yeah. I'm talking like- read and answer your own questions and Google things and, you know, open up the A1 perinatal nursing book and Mm -hmm. review the case that you had. Like that to me is not necessarily work. That is, and and I think that's a reframe a little bit because, oh, well, it's anything to do with nurse. No, this is like bettering who you are. That's like Mm self-development stuff. Like no one's paying you to do yoga, you know, because, oh, it's good for me and my job. That's going to affect my job. Like, No, this is all, these are all contributing factors that will support your practice. And it may be reading a research article. It may be listening to this podcast and it may also be going to bed. It may be cooking a healthy meal. All of those things contribute to you being a better nurse. So I don't think it's fair to require, like, unless someone's requiring you to do something for your job to be paying them. Agreed. So openness, humbleness, eagerness, and reflect on your day, like every shift. Like, what did you learn that day? Look into a little bit more. And then I would say too, just something to know, you might be precepted by someone that has or practices in a way that you don't agree with, or that isn't evidence-based. Mm-hmm. And that can be challenging too. And I have an opinion and mm-hmm. Sarah might have the same or different, but I will say now looking back, I would be less vocal about that. Take it for Mm. what it is. And, um, you know, look up things. If something doesn't feel right, like they say a stat or whatever. And I'm like, I've heard it different. Maybe from here or from somewhere else, I read it different. I'm not going to just like jump down their throat and tell them the right one. I will just like noted, Mm. fact check what I had and then like, remember it. Maybe a few years down the line, a few months down the line, I might mention it at the nursing station when that person's around to maybe like, so they can hear it, that there's like a new way to do things. But there mm-hmm. are experienced nurses have a lot of experience and they've done things mm-hmm. in the way they were taught. And our educators are maxed in our country to their ability to educate. I right now, I have a lot of sympathy for our educators. I would never be, and you couldn't pay me $200,000 a year to be an educator. Um, on the, <laughs> sorry, educators. You are an educator but, though. <laughs> yes. A hospital educator. I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. And, um, so I just, just have grace with your preceptors and educators and they're trying, they're trying. I think, well, <laughs> and there are really good ones out there too. They're really good. You know, but it's there's no there's no standardizing of preceptorships and training programs. And I think people have tried. I was a part of a Versant program. And so I did get six months of onboarding as a new grad in labor and delivery. And that was great. Was I totally ready? I was. 
probably. Um, but I also took a lot of accountability for my own learning. And, you know, as you're learning things that maybe don't align with what you've heard, and the only way to know what you've heard is to do the work outside of the actual job, um, when you can also be in a place that feels safe to learn and you're not adrenaline rushed for the full 12 hours because everything's new and scary. So um, I think there's a level of accountability that comes in to sort of taking charge of your own experience and speaking up for your needs, voicing those needs, building rapport, getting to know your managers, approaching it from a learner's perspective, recognizing that you may know a lot of textbook, but you don't actually know the job of being a labor and delivery nurse. And we say that with so much love, but that comes also from experience. And you talk to any nurse that's been around, you're like, yeah, I knew nothing. Like I thought I knew but I didn't. And so as you're learning, then the preceptorship for the preceptee is an opportunity to develop your practice and to hold your hands open and go, hmm, how does that sit with me? Rather than this, like, drink it like a, like a, you're a thirsty person <laughs> that you're like, give me all the things. Okay. That's how I'm going to be. Instead it's okay. I see this working. Okay. Wow. That was a really efficient way. Observing other ways that nurses work you know, and, and I think part of the frustration is too, that a lot of people are having more than one preceptor and that is challenging. It's hard to get gain momentum. It's hard to like build that trust again. And then you have somebody who's annoyed that you're there, et cetera. So we get that. But I think the bright side of that is you're exposed to various ways of practice and you can say like, oh, that was different the way they did that. Or, wow, I love how they said that that seemed to work or mm, that's not true i don't think like that's not what i've read or that's not what i've heard and then instead of your preceptor being the end-all be-all they're in exposure to develop your practice with the bouncing around preceptors i hear that a lot at this mm -hmm. point that's a systems failure there too and you got to be accountable for what you know and don't know so if you're going to have a new preceptor that day tell them like this is what i feel confident in this is what i need and yeah, you have them. to orient them. Yep. Mm -hmm. You have to let them know, you know, and you can be confident. Like I can definitely chart on our strips, turn them, titrate pit. What I'm struggling with right now is calculating MBUs or staying up on my eyes, whatever, but knowing what you know and don't know is important and mm -hmm. keep, keep track of that. Yeah. And I think that it's easy sort of as the preceptee to expect that your preceptor is gonna be aware of that magically and instead this is sort of what it looks like to take control of your learning is track what have you done what haven't you done what feels confident what doesn't feel confident and then literally sit down with your preceptor at the beginning i know for me like i'd be like oh my god this is so helpful of like i have been here and i only have three more shifts and i've only seen two births like we have to see a birth today. If there's any way that you can help me get into a birth, I need to see the birth. I need to do eyes and thighs. I need to, you know, assist with breastfeeding. I need to whatever. And if we could talk through that, these are my goals for today. That for somebody who is being thrown into precepting, who's not received any formal training on precepting potentially, like is helpful guidance. Otherwise you're kind of trying to figure it out the whole shift. Yeah. Also on the flip side of that, I'm wondering in my role now, it would be helpful for me if I knew what the, the preceptee has gotten or hasn't gotten when I make assignments for my shifts, 
So I'm thinking like yeah. if a preceptee showed up 10 minutes early and caught, like caught me and was like, Hey, oh, yeah. do you have a mag patient I can have? Or they're leaving the night, you know, leaving that day and coming back the next morning. Like, Hey, if you get a patient with this, can I have them? I really want whatever that would be helpful too. And that is again, taking accountability for your learning. I love that. I think that easily though, for that is like, is the fear. I think when you're new, it's like, I'm going to show up and ask for the mag patient. Like, I don't know if I want the mag patient. I'm not ready, you know, and you're never going to be ready. And so I think the reminder that preceptorship is when you want that stuff. You want the support. You want the other person with you to do it. And I know it feels overwhelming and scary or like, oh my God, an insulin drip. I could kill them, you know? And yeah. But that's why you have somebody there with you mm-hmm. that's um, that's supporting you through those cases. And to be proactive about that is only going to help with your confidence later on. Yeah. You don't want those when you're off preceptorship alone. Definitely not. <laughs> I know for me, I was very involved with A1 as a student and a new grad. Like I was going to A1 conferences on when I was being precepted and I was already involved with the the board and I was just. That's so much. I didn't even know what A1 was. No offense to A1. (laughs) I was so concerned that they were going to realize that they shouldn't have hired me. I had major imposter syndrome at the beginning. And I was constantly studying. I don't know if it's because I like was, had no kids and I enjoy learning. And I was just constantly hitting the books, reading stuff, learning. And I I loved it. And I have a struggle with sometimes when new nurses like don't love it like I did. That's Mm -hmm. been a constant like theme in my life of like giving them grace. And I've gotten way better. Like, why don't you love this? (laughs) Why aren't you obsessed with it? Like I am, (laughs) they don't need to be. Um, But I want them to know how important their job is. Right. And that's one of our missions here of like, you don't have to be obsessed with it to do really well at it, you know? Uh, But Mm -hmm. there is, I had a lot of preceptors, my, my main preceptor, which is so funny because Sarah ended up knowing her. They had worked together years earlier. So mm-hmm. OB is a small world, guys. She got, she was mm-hmm. pregnant. And so she was out pretty quickly after I had her. And so I had a lot. I had probably had like 19 total. I had four months. And so I wow. think I had like 48 shifts. Um, so I was very thankful for that. I was at an HCA. So if you work at an HCA, you have um, a star RN residency program. So it was six weeks didactic before you got on the unit, but the didactic park was no OB. It was all med surge. So it was kind of silly, but it was fine. It was like a second nursing Mm -hmm. school, whatever. And then, um, then we got on the floor and I was excited, but I was the one, like I wanted the hard patients. I wanted, I asked for like the high G's and P's and I wanted them to bleed. And I wanted them, I wanted the high pressures Hmm. because I I had that like, yeah, I don't want to do this on my own. I want help. Mm -hmm. And so I enjoyed it. I enjoyed being precepted and when I was scared about something, I reached out to my preceptors. I remember t- taking my night shift preceptor aside and I was like, I don't think I can do this. And she was like, what? And I was like, I forgot about AFE. I forgot that was a thing. Like, I can't, I can't do that. I can't handle if, cause what happened, oh, honey. Was I, I was asking, I know. And I was asking <laughs> my educator, I was like, do we have a policy on AFE? And she was like, no, we don't have a policy. Cause we just hope it doesn't happen. Now I'm looking back and I'm like, well, we didn't need a policy on AFE. I just wanted like a protocol. Like, what do I do? Where's my education on it? What do I do? 
what is mm-hmm. what is this algorithm um, and then I was like well have you ever seen one and then she tells me the story of one and then another nurse tells me the story of the one she saw and I'm like well, all multiple nurses are chiming in I'm like well obviously it happens like why aren't we being educated so I, was right. like, I don't think I can handle it so my night shift preceptor is very like the wild west the wildest of wests like has been doing this for so long is just so like she's gonna retire any second I still work with her and she's like, oh my God, you don't need to worry about that. Like calm me down, probably like dismiss me a little, like a little much, but it was okay. Cause it did make me feel good in this time of like, okay, I don't need to worry about it. <sighs> but I worried about those things. And when I heard something that was like, you know, quote unquote scary, I took a class on it or read a book or had the knowledge mm-hmm. in my head so that if I, at least it happened, I had something. And I think that's helpful because mm-hmm. there's things we're just not going to mm-hmm. see ever, if not for a long time. And if you're losing sleep over a prolapse cord, learn about a prolapse cord. Right. Know? And then, and then you'll get over it real quick of like, all yeah. right, shove your hand up there. But what about you? What kind of preceptee were you? I, I, so I love labor and delivery and I loved it from the very start through nursing school, but I had worked at children's hospital of Los Angeles leading up to literally like the week before I started on the floor as a nurse and as a PCSA. So I was like a nurse's aide. And um, so the whole time through nursing school, like I would, I dabbled between peds and L and D. So I wasn't like the gung, like when I got the job, I was like, all right, this is what I'm doing. And like, I'm so excited. And yes, like if I was honest with myself, I didn't want to do the sad peds side of things. Cause I was, I'd been doing that for a couple of years. And so I was very, very happy to be in L&D, but I don't, I I wasn't like going into it like, this is my dream come true of my entire life. This is all I've ever wanted, but I was excited. And there was, there was such a selection process. There were so many applicants. This was like in the height of the like nursing school short, like where people couldn't get jobs. Like my graduating class, there was, there was, I think only 56 of us in my, in my graduating nursing school class. And I think there were over 30 that didn't get a job for almost two years afterwards because it was almost impossible to get a job. That's definitely not the same right now. Luckily. No, (laughs) no. Luckily for you, that was very stressful. So all of us that got jobs, it was like people were taking stuff that like they would have never wanted just to get a job and get in because they needed experience. And so I felt very grateful to be in a specialty. There were over 900 applicants and I were like two of us that got hired. So, you know, I think that that set me up to be super receptive and super grateful and, you know, sort of approach it as a learner. I also had the advantage of Spanish and my hospital was mostly, if not like, I mean, by the time I was on my own, I if I had an English speaking patient, it was like a dream. Like I was, I was speaking almost a hundred percent of the time Spanish. And so that was an asset to the floor. And so I became the like, oh, she speaks Spanish girl on my floor. And, um, that allowed me to help translate and help with certain circumstances or like, Hey, Sarah, like, do you have a second? Can you come help with this case? But it let me see other nursing techniques. And I remember being in triage, like they wouldn't let us in triage until two years of experience. That didn't last though. Cause I was in triage a lot earlier than that. Cause I really liked it, but, um, they like, we didn't, we didn't really spend time in triage. And so they pull me into triage to translate and I'd get to see and help with things. So that I think was an advantage for me. And, um, I remember I, I did, I was assigned a certain 
preceptor and I also was popped around to multiple people. And I found a policy and procedure book that no one oriented me to. That it wasn't like, oh, you need to know the policies and procedures. I didn't even know this thing existed probably like a month in. And I remember opening this up and being like, wait a second, this literally tells me how to do the job. Why don't I? And I remember copying the whole thing. I took it home. I translated it into little note cards where I made myself a little, um, it was around my neck, little like badge buddy kit thing. Oh <laughs> I was already little making little products. I love it. I know. <laughs> I know. Products. And like laminated them myself. Oh yeah. Oh man. And yep. um, and then had like my key phone numbers and anything like that. I wanted the resources at my fingertips to reference. And I remember getting made fun of for that, but I didn't care because I was like, this is my lifeline. If you're gonna, if I'm gonna give pit to somebody, like it literally tells me what to do. This yeah. is amazing. Why was I not oriented to this? But I was also in didactic that was med surge related and not not L&D specific. And so that I think was a waste, but I'm like, I'm looking at it now and I'm like, just just throw in our mentorship instead for that, for that part of it. That would have been so helpful because I needed more of the like L&D didactic, but I found it myself. And I read, I read Awan's perinatal book um, throughout my preceptorship. I, I don't know that I was looking at research articles. I wasn't I mean, I'd been in school, but like I didn't see the need. I just I read Awan's book and the policies and procedures and memorized them and was passed around. And not everybody was nice to me. Um, but I think my advantage was the Spanish. And the girl that was hired with me was a know-it-all and wasn't very well liked. And I was observing that and I remember just kind of pulling back. It's funny because I'm pretty outgoing in uh, pretty outgoing. I'm very outgoing when you know me. And um, but or if you don't know you. Or if you don't know me, yeah, I'm probably gonna <laughs> I'm a pretty outspoken, loud, excited, passionate person, person. But in oh thank you. Um dramatic person. And I but in new environments, I'm I'm very much an observer and I very much kind of sneak in and I pay attention or as I'm learning, and you've seen this too, Justine, where I'm like, I'm yeah, just taking it in. I'm just taking it in and synthesizing and like, you know, watching and curious and whatnot. And so that was sort of, I think, my perspective. And I was watching them truly be very not kind to my mm -hmm. counterpart and and she was a know-it-all, you know, and she knew everything and was telling everyone how to do things and it didn't go over well. So I remember seeing that and being like, ooh, all right, well, I'm not going to be it that way. I don't think looking back that I was a know-it-all. I remember just being very scared <laughs> all the time, yeah. but really loving it and wanting to be good. So I studied a lot and just kind of wung it. That's what we're all doing out here, winging it. Even us. We're just we're real. Oh yeah. There's no, I don't know no what I'm doing every day. <laughs> no, no. And ideally there should be, that would be very helpful, but also like that's life. And so often like somebody might tell you as a precept D that like, this is the way to do it. And if it's, what have we just said in previous episodes of like, if it's safe, your way is safe and you're not putting anyone in harm's way that you're following policies and procedures, you're following the standard of care. Like there are lots of ways to do things and that's okay. But when you're with a precept store, 
do it the way that they're asking you to do it and see how it feels for you. Approach it as a learner. And I think that there's a lot for you to learn there. And then once you get off preceptorship, you get to decide and you get to explore what that looks like for you and continue to learn. You know, there are things to this day that I'm like, oh, shoot, I wish I would have done that or whatever. Agreed. So true. Same. (laughs) I'm thinking of all the things. I'm like, oh, I never thought of that. That was a juicy little episode full of nuggets. And I think we'll actually do part two. So this did end up more than one episode, but there is a lot of preceptorship. (laughs) So it works out. (laughs) So we will do part two for the preceptor. This will be for the preceptee. And I think it'll be a nice mix for both of them. And um, yeah. Thanks for spending your time with us during this episode of Happy Hour with Bundle Birth Nurses. If you like what you heard, it helps us both if you subscribe, rate, leave a raving review, and share this episode with a friend. If you want more from us, head to bundlebirthnurses.com or follow us on Instagram and TikTok. Now it's your turn to take what you learned today, apply it to your life, be a humble and eager learner, and we'll see you next time.